occupied. Together they were set in a mile-square area of abandoned dockland and warehousing along the north bank of the river. The five high-rises stood on the eastern perimeter of the project, looking out across an ornamental lake, at present an empty concrete basin surrounded by parking lots and construction equipment. On the opposite shore stood the recently completed concert hall, with Lang's medical school and the new television studios on either side. The massive scale of the glass and concrete architecture and its striking situation on a bend of the river sharply separated the development project from the run-down areas around it. Decaying 19th-century terraced houses and empty factories already zoned for reclamation. For all the proximity of the city, two miles away to the west along the river, the office buildings of central London belonged to a different world, in time as well as space. Their glass curtain walling and telecommunication aerials were obscured by the traffic smog, blurring Lang's memories of the past. Six months earlier, when he had sold the lease of his Chelsea house and moved to the security of the high-rise, he had travelled forward fifty years in time, away from crowded streets, traffic hold-ups, rush-hour journeys on the underground, to student supervisions in a shared office in the old teaching hospital. Here, on the other hand, the dimensions of his life were space, light, and the pleasures of a subtle kind of anonymity. The drive to the physiology department of the medical school took him five minutes, and apart from this single excursion, Lang's life in the high-rise was as self-contained as the building itself. In effect, the apartment block was a small vertical city, its 2,000 inhabitants boxed up into the sky. The tenants corporately owned the building, which they administered themselves through a resident manager and his staff. For all its size, the high-rise contained an impressive range of services. The entire tenth floor was given over to a wide concourse, as large as an aircraft carrier's flight deck, which contained a supermarket, bank and hairdressing salon, a swimming pool and gymnasium, a well-stocked liquor store and a junior school for the few young children in the block. High above Lang, on the 35th floor, was a second, smaller swimming pool, a sauna and a restaurant. Delighted by this glut of conveniences, Lang made less and less effort to leave the building. He unpacked his record collection and played himself into his new life, sitting on his balcony and gazing across the parking lots and concrete plazas below him. Although the apartment was no higher than the 25th floor, he felt for the first time that he was looking down at the sky, rather than up at it. Each day the towers of central London seemed slightly more distant, the landscape of an abandoned planet receding slowly from his mind. By contrast with the calm and unencumbered geometry of the concert hall and television studios below him, the ragged skyline of the city resembled the disturbed encephalograph of an unresolved mental crisis. The apartment had been expensive. Its studio living room and single bedroom, kitchen and bathroom, dovetailed into each other to minimize space and eliminate internal corridors. To his sister, Alice Frobisher, who lived with her publisher husband in a larger apartment three floors below, Lang had remarked, 
The architect must have spent his formative years in a space capsule. I'm surprised the walls don't curve. At first, Lang found something alienating about the concrete landscape of the project. An architecture designed for war, on the unconscious level if no other. After all the tensions of his divorce, the last thing he wanted to look out on each morning was a row of concrete bunkers. However, Alice soon convinced him of the intangible appeal of life in a luxury high-rise. Seven years older than Lang, she made a shrewd assessment of her brother's needs in the months after his divorce. She stressed the efficiency of the building services, the total privacy. You could be alone here, in an empty building. Think of that, Robert, she added illogically. Besides, it's full of the kind of people you ought to meet. Here she was making a point that had not escaped Lang during his inspection.